This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Well, you're the third service today, and I am as, as excited as I was in the first service to preach this sermon. Um, Matt, Matt had asked me, he said, hey, do you think you can preach? I was on vacation last week, and then he's in Haiti this week. He said, hey, do you think you can preach on the seventh for me? And I said, sure. And he goes, you know, if you want, why don't you just take a, an old message you had and, you know, rework it that we don't do a lot of work. And I said, you know, Matt, I, I think... I think the Lord's got me in a, in a season of helping people right now with anxiety and anxiousness. I said, I think I'd like to really kind of talk to the church about a biblical look of anxiousness and how they can have victory. And he was like, man, if that's what you want to do on vacation. I was like, yep. So once we got done each night, I would just work on it. And I'm just excited to deliver God's word to you. It's not, it's not my... Um, not my words, you know, it's not my advice to you, it's, it's the Bible's advice, it's God's words to you. And I'm sure in a room this size, I'd say probably 60 to 70% of you are walking in here with something. A fear of something, anxiousness. Um, I said in the first service, you know, they're, they're a little bit older. I said, you probably, there's probably people in here that have anxiousness about your adult children. Are they walking with the Lord and so forth? And... Um, Yeah, so I do not take that lightly as somebody that has had some anxious issues in my life. I remember having a panic attack in college. I was at University of North Texas, found out that I had failed out of college and had a massive panic attack. And uh, the anxiousness of telling my parents that I had wasted their money, that that definitely brought me to my knees. but I've even had some other anxiousness of being that I've struggled with my weight all my life. I've been to the hospital twice thinking I was having a heart attack. And uh, just letting anxiousness and stress and those things get the best of me. Praise the Lord, the one time I was there, was a, our neighbor was a nurse. And she goes, she goes well, it's your, your, uh, your lucky day. It's me. And the first thing she said is, you need to relax. Calm down. You're letting, you're letting your anxiousness get the best of you. But praise the Lord, I've had victory in a lot of those areas too. And I know some of you all have had victory in those areas. But I also know there's quite a few of you that are probably still struggling. So as every hopefully good preacher will say, I'm not preaching to each one of you individually. I'm not, if, even if I look at you, it's not on purpose, okay? But I just hope, I hope this message, I hope these words, I hope the... God's word will affect you in such a great way that you can hopefully find some victory in some areas that you're probably struggling with. So we're going to focus on specifically Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Now I would tell you that the Bible in general, the whole book, other than teaching us about God's greatness, who he is, his goodness, how he cares for us, I think one of the things the Bible really does is it is constantly drawing us back from fear to faith. Let me say that again. The Bible is drawing us back. God's Word is drawing us from fear into faith. But I don't have enough time to unpack 66 books. 
I mean, unless you guys want to stay for a couple of weeks, we could do that. But um, I'm sure, I mean, I've got, I've got pork on my smoker right now, so I've got to be home to wrap it around too. So, um, but specifically, I think Philippians 1 through 9 really speaks to it. And I think Paul's writings, God working through Paul, really gives us some great answers of how we can have victory. So let us start out. We're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3. And specifically, they're not really addressing worry, but they are addressing another common problem that we also have in the church, and we'll discuss that a little bit too. So verse 1 through 3, Philippians 4. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Yodia and I urge Sinchi to agree in the Lord. So we have two people that are probably button, button heads, some friction there. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So a couple, couple things that are kind of obvious here, but I think it's important to point out. So look at the way Paul's saying this. He's saying brothers and sisters. So we thought of them as family, right? I think of you all as family. Um, I'm probably the crazy uncle in your family, but I still think of you all as family. He says, I loved and longed for. So he's got this desire to fellowship with them and to fellowship together. And he also refers to them as joy and crown. And I think that really kind of relates to this idea that life was better, that he knew them. So he kind of saw them that way. So he's got a great heart and passion, a great compassion for them. And I hope if you encounter me face to face, Hopefully you see it in my preaching too. I have a great love and care for you all. I really, truly, truly would love to see all of us living victorious lives in Christ. I know it might not happen here for some of you, but I know it'll happen one day when we're all together worshiping the Lord, which that'll be a joyous, joyous moment. But Paul also is saying something this similar, something that I would say to you all, and that is to stand firm. Paul is specifically, now think about the day and age that he was in. That idea of standing firm was probably very similar to what the Roman commanders were saying to the troops. I want you to stand firm. Grab your shield, your spear, your helmet, your breastplate, okay? And stand firm. And no matter what the opposition, I don't want you to move. And in those days, since they weapons and they didn't have machine guns and things like that, they literally had to stand firm. Because if there was an area that broke, you'd have this opening, and now, now your enemy could come through. So Paul is calling us to do the same thing, to stand firm. Even amongst the attacks of the enemy, the anxiousness that you have, maybe the fear... Now, fear of spiders is real, though. Let me just make that clear. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but those fears that we need to stand firm. But that's, praise the Lord, that's not the end of the sermon. Because me just saying to you, stand firm, that's not going to get you anywhere. But Paul is doing the same thing. He's reminded of those Roman soldiers. There was some disunity, much like there happens to be in every church in America, right? Every church in the world. 
There's always a little bit of this person doesn't like this person or this person had this conversation with this person and now I'm going to go talk to Bob over here. Bob, what do you think I should do about this person? Right? Commentaries, uh, the uh, people that had written commentaries, I was doing some studying, you know, and I heard maybe it was possible church split, maybe it was just some friction, whichever. Those guys are way smarter than me. Whichever it is, there's definitely some conflict there. And I think it's important what Paul says. He says, I'm, I'm hoping that they talk to each other. But if they can't, brothers and sisters, come alongside of them. Encourage them. Support them. Very similar to what we read about in Matthew 18. Um, very similar to what we would, we would call church discipline. But our focus today really is not on those first three verses, but really on the rest of the passage. And that is our focus is finding peace and specifically looking to find peace amongst being afraid and anxious. So let's look at verse four. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Who here is old enough? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Remember that song, right? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Charles, I love that you're excited to be here today, brother. That's awesome. So that's how we learned that song growing up. We would sing that song over and over again. So that's probably one of the first verses I ever memorized. And then it says in verse 5, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Paul is commanding the Philippians and us to rejoice. He says it twice. And in the CSB, there's a big exclamation point after that last rejoice, by the way. Their joy was to be in the Lord. Remember what Paul was going through at the time. He has credibility to speak into this. Paul was in jail for multiple of these letters he wrote. Think about him saying, looking in the mirror and saying, rejoice in the Lord always, Paul. And again, I say rejoice. What would you be like if you were in jail? I know I'd probably be complaining. Air's not hot enough. My bed's lumpy. Food's no good, right? That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So in these first five verses, Paul is teaching us, one, to confront our brother or sister when there's a problem. Two, while this is going on, the body of Christ, the church is to come alongside and help. Three, then when we're doing all of these things, we're called to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then we also need to be full of grace and gentleness and mercy with each other. Seems like a lot to do. Seems like truthfully, okay, God, I got these five verses. You know what? Let me just work on this for the rest of the year. But instead, Paul continues, and I think he gives us one of the hardest verses for us to, uh, to really follow, and that is verse 6. So let's look at verse 6 through 9, and we're going to break down each verse. Verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, 
He wants us to dwell on these things. In verse 9, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. So my hope for you all today is that you leave here with a biblical view of anxiousness, fear, and those things. And hopefully you leave here with some type of solution, a biblical solution for you to have victory and overcome those things. So before I jump into the passage, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory to how we can look at uh, anxiety from a biblical standpoint. So anxiety and fear is what I would call alertness out of control. Anxiety and fear is the idea of alertness out of control. Anxiety or anxiousness slash fear, panic, phobia, stress is a fallen emotion and it's a distortion of God's pre-fall design. Some of you might be going, what do you say? So think about this, creation, fall, redemption. We were created... Then because of the fall, things went awry. And praise the Lord, uh, since Jesus came back, he came back to redeem us. So pre-fall, anxiousness. What did that look like for Adam and Eve? So I, I have often used this analogy. If God did not put a bit of anxiousness in us, if a car was coming at us, we'd probably get run over. But there needs to be some sort of anxiousness of like, oh my gosh, I need to get out of the way. Just like the word depression, we look at depression, there are times where God will slow us down on purpose. Bill, I need you to slow down. I'm good, Lord, I'm good, Lord. Bill, I need to... Next thing you know, I'm like, I feel like I really need to slow down. Okay? That's pre-fall. But because of the fall, those God-given emotions are now distorted. Think about that. They're now distorted. So think, think this through real quick. So someone who worries a lot is continually scanning their environment, worried about everything. So I'm gonna, in a second, I'm going to define what that alertness looks like. But I'm not telling you're not called to be alert because you are called to be alert. I'm scanning the room, you know, seeing all of you. You, you with me? There's a, I'm trying to be somewhat alert. But it's another thing when it gets out of control. You could say that anxiety could be defined as toxic alertness. That idea of being fearful of everything. You know, oh my gosh, Tim moved his arm. What's he doing? Is he you, you with like just letting it all get out of control? And that's what happens. I've been counseling for close to 15 years. The more and more I help people with anxiety and that so forth, it's amazing how something small, it just spirals and spirals and spirals. So anybody heard of that flight fight, right? You know that? So anger is the fight response to threat or being attacked. Anxiety is the flight response to that threat, which leads to retreat. Where alertness or attentiveness is the faith response to a threat. Scripture teaches us to be vigilant, to be alert, to stand firm. Anxiety is roughly fear without faith. 
I know somebody's going to email me or text me. But if you really get to the heart of the matter, if you don't understand why you're anxious, I'm, I'm telling you, one of the things that you have to do in counseling, you've got to peel that onion back. And you just keep peeling and you start going, oh, wow. Oh, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, oh. And when you get to the heart, almost always anxiety is fear without that faith. And we're going to talk about that because that's what Paul is really directing us to. In being alert or vigilance, we turn to God. Through faith, through faith, we face the reality of our neediness by trusting in an unseen reality of a God who cares and controls. Paul's model is stand firm. And standing firm does not mean we do it alone. So remember, go back to verse 1 and 3, which I think why that verse is really kind of tied to this part of this passage. There's this idea of there's an argument going on. The church comes alongside. It's the same with anxiousness, folks. We are, I mean, I know you guys have heard me say this. We were not meant to be on islands by ourselves. If we would have, God would have created the world to be, you know, six billion islands. We are called to do this together. So in that, in that anxiety, standing firm means that we do it with others. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, one of my favorite verses, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. God calls us to share scripture and ourselves with each other. It can't be, take two verses and call me in the morning. And in reality, it's probably more like, here's a verse, don't call me at all. We are called to get into it with our brothers and sisters in the nitty gritty, to walk alongside of them in the mud and the muck. Okay? So verse 6, let me just, let me kind of unpack the passage as we go. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul is is encouraging his readers to focus our hearts, our minds, every part of us on faith in our Heavenly Father. How do we do this? We do this through prayer, which is what we're going to look at first, and then the renewing of, of our minds and our image of God. Verse 4, uh, verse 5 says, the Lord is near. Verse 7 says, the peace of God will guard our hearts. And verse 9 says, the peace will be with you. See, when anxiety strikes, we focus so much on the situation and our feelings and emotions that we lose our focus on, on God or accept a skewed view of Him. So let me say that again. In the midst of our fear in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of us losing our jobs, in the midst of us finding out some medical issue that we might have, we immediately lose our focus on who God is and we get a skewed view of who He is. Think about that. See, when we end up seeing God as as our God of peace, then we can experience that peace that Paul is talking about that guards our hearts and minds. Hebrews 13, 6 says, Therefore we boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? 
Great verse, right? But so hard to live out at times. I mean, just, I mean, again, my shirt. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Looks good on paper. Looks good on a shirt. But sometimes very, very hard. So why is that? Why is it hard for us at times? So I'm going to throw a couple reasons out to you, and these might not be your reasons. You might have other reasons why it's hard, but these are pretty common reasons that I have run into with, with helping people. So one, we struggle to have faith, which means we struggle with releasing control to God. Anybody got control issues here? I should have saw more hands, by the way. <laughs> right? We struggle. Lord, no, 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 Lord, I got this. I got a great vision for how this is going to play out. I often think, is he just sitting there like, ha, 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 you know? Because um, we do. We just have, Lord, I, I can't give this to you. I, I, can't, I can't give control to you. That's one thing. We also don't want to feel pain and heartache. Sometimes God allows bad things in our lives to happen to us for growth, for drawing us back to Him, for many reasons. I've said it all along. I don't think I'm really afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the pain that might come before dying. God allows some of that to happen. I also think the other issue is, do we really understand the truths about God? Do we really? Do we really honestly believe that he is the God of the universe that is in full control of everything and that in scripture it even says, I got you. I will not leave you. Do we really honestly believe that? And lastly, I think this is one of the number one things of why we struggle so much with that anxiousness. I think we tend to believe lies and we seek out bad counsel. We listen to those lies and we let those lies, just like, a, just like a spiral staircase. It's like the lie starts up here. Next thing you know, and it's, it's like it's in our whole body and we believe lies. Again, having four kids, raising teenagers, I've had many a conversation where one of the kids will come home and go, well, Sally said that I am blah, blah, blah. Well, did you talk to Sally? Well, no, Charlotte told me that, that Sally said that. Oh no, talk to Sally. Seek out the truth. Don't believe the lies. I think here's some of the lies that we believe. God is a hoarder, not a rewarder, that he's keeping things from us. That's what Satan did in the garden to Adam and Eve. He said to Eve, well, why would God keep that from you? He must be keeping something great from you, right? We, we believe those lies. God's keeping something from me. He's, he's keeping something. He's not going to reward he doesn't really love me. I think at times we think we're weak and puny when we struggle with stuff like this. If I could, I'd do my cowardly lion um, impression, but it's not that good right now. Um, I think at times we think we're David against Goliath and we don't see God anywhere. God, where are you right now? I've, I've definitely prayed that. God, why are you allowing this to happen and where are you? Why are you not fixing this right now? We're impatient people too. Life is hard. No one will help us. We feel that way sometimes. I think one of the other ones that we believe is I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. 
I'm never going to see victory. I'm going to have to struggle with this all my life. At soon to be 54 years old, I have looked back and I realized we just go through these seasons, folks. A lot of times it's just seasons. God will have us in a place and he'll get us out of it. Next thing you know, we're in another place. Okay? And I could go on. I'm sure a lot of you could say, stand up and tell me some of the lies that you have believed. Instead of giving into the attack of anxiousness, Paul is telling us to fight back with prayer. And through prayer and reminding ourselves of God's goodness and his truth, when we do this, this is what happens. And this is what verse 7 teaches us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Anybody ever felt that peace before? Right? And it is hard to explain. It's, it's like, it's just hard to understand. God, how did you do that? How did you do that? How did I go from feeling this way to feel, like, how did you do that? It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Isaiah, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Isaiah 41.9-10, I brought you from the ends of the earth and call you from its farthest corners. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I haven't rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Folks, God is still a promise keeper. He is a faithful, promise-keeping God. He does not lie. He comes through on his promises. He will be with you till the very end. Right, right there out of Isaiah. When we are feeling that spiritual separation, we must focus on our image of God, that he is our faithful father who promises to love us forever in Christ. Those struggling with anxiety, those people that I have helped, and I can only go by the people that I have helped, that have struggled with anxiety have often said to me, I just want a break. I just want some peace from this. Boy, if I could just go a week and just feel better, oh my gosh, it would be so, I'm exhausted. That's, those are the things I hear. Well, that peace only comes through God from our Heavenly Father. And look, as a guy that has sought out peace from things and other varieties and areas of life, I'm telling you right now, they never satisfy. Only God will satisfy. Only, only as he can. Let's look at verse 8 then. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, I want you to dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So what Paul is teaching us is, so he's taught us about prayer. He's saying, look, turn to the Father, the God of the universe. The God of the universe wants you to turn to him, 
talk to Him, confide in Him, be vulnerable with Him, share those innermost secrets and those dark places with Him. That's what the God of the universe is asking you to do. Pray to Him. Talk to Him. Does that overwhelm you? Like, that should bring you... Like, I think about it. When I think about the God of the universe is asking me, calling me to spend time with Him, that is... That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So Paul is telling us to pray. But then he's also saying, the other issue we have is our mind's not right. We just, we, we have, we at times have worldly mindsets. We need to put those off and, and renew our minds in Christ. I think at times we need to repent of being self-sufficient and self-protective. Our emotions and our flesh scream out, I must take over, I can do this, take control, self-trust, self-protect, right? How often when a problem arises, what is the first thing we do? Well, I can fix a problem, right? Get a flat tire, oh yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll fix it, you know, you with me? We immediately go to... But Paul is really calling us to, hold on, let's shift our mindset. What if we turn that over to the Lord first? Our new mind in Christ says, quiet, calm. Almost like as if Jesus is saying, hey man, just relax. I've got this. Paul never says you will not feel anxiousness again. That's not what he's saying. Nor does he promise your situation will change immediately. But he is giving us a remedy. A remedy. We must have a God view, not a world view. I think so often we have a world view, not a biblical view. Again, not enough time to fully unpack all of that today. But it often we let the world, what the world is doing, affect how we view things and view our issues and and things like that. So God's peace brings rational thinking and spirituality to our emotional state. Think again of what Paul was going on. He was going through. He was in jail. In fear, we let our brain talk and control us and convince us of those lies at times. Sometimes to defeat, ang- to defeat anxiety, we have to take a personal responsibility and the identity that lies uh, and the lies that we believe about God. At times, the core sin within anxiety is the failure to trust God. Paul talks about this in Philippians 4, I'm sorry, 3, 4 through 5, where he describes this sinful self-trust as putting confidence in the flesh. We need to confess our sin of self-trust and self-protection and of misunderstanding and mistrusting God and believing lies about Him. So if you were to come to me for counsel, anybody that's in the room that has, you almost always hear me say, hey, why don't you write a psalm and why don't you write a lament? And about, and I will talk to them about journaling. Journaling is a huge piece. Because I think one of the things that happens is in these moments, we forget the things that God is doing. So one of the things, even if, if, if all you did leaving here today was just journal your prayer requests to God, read those in two, three months. And look at how he really does answer those prayers. Maybe not exactly the way you wanted it to be answered, 
I mean, I used to pray all the time. I wanted a motorcycle when I was a teenager. He never answered that prayer because it would have killed me most likely. Okay? But he did answer the prayer. He kept me alive, right? Really, really important there. So take responsibility of your thought, thought life. What are you thinking about? In times of anxious, where does your mind take you? So I'm going to give you a couple seconds to think about this. When you have struggled with fear, anxiety, anxiousness, maybe a panic attack, what is it you're thinking about? Where does your mind take you? Paul tells us not only uh, tells us not only which lies to get rid of, but which truths to embrace. So he's telling us to get rid of those lies, but he's giving us an answer for how, how to do that. So let's look at each word here in, in this verse 8. So it says, whatever is true, the, this is truth aligned with who God is. How can I replace the lies of what's bringing me anxiousness with the truths of who God is and who I am to Christ? What is honorable? These things are worthy, valuable, majestic, all-inspiring. How can I replace the lies of, of shrinking thinking? That's a Dr. Kellerman line, but I love it. Shrinking thinking with the truth of God's larger story. His infinite power, His grace, His love, and His care. Whatever is just. This is right, righteous, and good. How can I move from thinking the worst to thinking about what is good and right for me? Big, big issue with people that struggle with anxiety at times. We think the worst. Hence what drove me, got me to the hospital of thinking I was having a heart attack. Had a pain in my chest, sweating a little bit, being overweight. Said to Michelle, I think I'm having a heart attack. What it was is it was the stress and the anxiousness. And look, anxiousness, anybody's ever struggled with anxiety? It's like a sandwich, man. You get a little anxious, then you get a little more anxious, you get a little more, and it literally just starts building and building and building. It gets worse. So what does it look like to change that? What is pure? This means modest, morally clean. How can I keep my thoughts pure and true during, true during this situation? What is lovely? This is beautiful, pleasing, endearing, agreeable. What way of thinking about this situation would please Christ and bring him joy? What if we changed our mindset to think differently to bring God glory? How wonderful would that be? What is commendable, admirable, attractive, of good report, of excellent reputation? What positive mindset should I have about my present and my future? I really do believe the biggest thing that people come to me with is the idea of they're, they're fearful of the future. What's going to happen if I do this? I'll give Kevin DeYoung a plug. He has a book called Just Do Something. And he talks about this idea of that people sometimes will get so, so kind of stuck in their anxiousness, it's like they can't get off the couch because they're afraid that whatever they do is going to be the wrong thing for God. And, and roughly what he says is, look, God's in control. Just, just continue to move forward for the Lord. He's got you. Whatever is excellent or moral, uh, what, whatever is excellent or moral excellence with value, v- valor, chivalry, good qualities, as anxious attacks, how can I attack back with valor? And then whatever is praiseworthy, simply put, this is whatever makes you want to applaud and thank the Lord for his goodness.
Verse 9, as we finish up. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Here Paul ends with the God of peace again. He talked about it before, and he's going to end it with this. When we shift our mindset from a worldly perspective to a godly, biblical perspective, we're able to move closer to him, and his peace will be upon us. So one of my last thoughts on this verse that I think is important is, so it says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. That's what Paul's saying. Paul was living his faith out, folks. I think the one thing I'm going to take to my grave that I'm on a hill about, and that is this. Folks, the church is supposed to look different than the people outside these walls. And so often we're reacting to things, whatever you want to put in there, whatever brings fear, anxiety. We look just like unbelievers. And I really do believe that one of the greatest witnesses we have is, can we look like Paul? Can we say to our neighbor, and I had this recently happen, my neighbor came over and said, hey, I'm struggling with this, blah, blah, blah. And I was able to give this person a biblical perspective and able to share how the Lord gave me victory in that same area. What, that's, that's, a, that's a great witness, not on my part, but being able to share God's goodness with somebody else and Scripture, that's how we are... With that anxiousness, it, we are, we're, we're to look different, folks. We really, we really are. Can you say, I'm living out my faith in these areas? Can you say to somebody, do what you've heard me say? Do what you've seen me do? You with me? Can you do that? Just like you and me, those outside these walls, folks, want the same peace that God is offering us. He's offering that to believers that if we turn to him, we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. We all need that peace and it can only be found in God. My last thing here, and this is, the, this is uh, just a quick little piece. Folks, it takes a congregation it takes a congregation. It takes people coming alongside of people, helping them, caring for them, encouraging them. I'll give you three, three, four E's, sorry, four E's. When we have those spiritual conversations, when we're speaking truth and love to each other, we need to have empathy. We need to say things like, it's terrifying to experience anxiety. Talk to me about that. Tell me how you're feeling. Encouragement. It's possible to experience peace even when you feel worried. Exposure. Bring it to the light. Get it from the darkness, as First John talks about. Get it out of the darkness and bring it to the light. And don't feel ashamed. And empowerment. Have empowering conversations where we can help others to apply gospel truths to our daily lives. So here's, here's the four takeaways. God's victory action plan. Our relationship to Christ. What does your relationship with Christ look like? Only you know that. I don't know what that looks like. What does your relationship with Christ look like? What does your relationship to the body of Christ look like? Do you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you're walking through life with other than your spouse? Our relationship to ourselves. Do we understand who we are to Christ and in Christ? 
If you're ever interested, I have, I mean, literally hundreds of verses in the New Testament that specifically speak to who we are to Christ and who we are in Christ. And lastly, our rational control center, our heart, our mind, submitting to Christ's word and his truths, not remembering the lies and remembering the truths that we've seen God perform in our lives and also the truths that we can read in Scripture. So I'm going to hit you with two quick things as we end. And one is I'm honored to say, so Matt Matt had asked me, he said, are you going to announce this at church uh, after you do this? Because it's really, I, I tried to use it as a counseling passage for you all, not just a sermon. So honored to say that we are getting ready to start a lay counseling ministry here at WBC. It's going to start in September. Um, I've asked a few people that I've met with already that are in this church that are going to go through a nine to 10 month training. And that hopefully uh, by this time next year, we'll have some late counselors, some people that can come alongside of you that we can offer more help as a church. Um, Right now, it's roughly the pastors that can do that at the moment. Um, It seems like it's, I think it's a little more me than the rest of the guys to some extent. But really excited. We're going to have a couple ladies and uh, hopefully a couple men that are going to do that. So, um, so we're excited for that. That training is going to start in September. So just asking you to pray for us as we do that. Um, and second, I was trying to figure out what, what passage, what verse to end with. What can I give you some encouragement for? So I went back into the Psalms and I, and I came across Psalm 34.4. And this is what that Psalm says. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from my fears. So think about David writing this, all the things he has gone through. And he says, I, David, sought the Lord. I went after the Lord. God heard me. He pulled me out of whatever I was going through and he rescued me from my fears. That same God that did it for David can do it for you, folks. Seek him out. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness as we've sang that song, Father. You have been so faithful to us, Father, and we just thank you. Lord, I hope that uh, the words I have spoken, Lord, I hope that uh, I have... uh, done well with with your word today, Father, because I think it's just so important for us to have a biblical view, Lord, of how how to care for each other, how to care for ourselves, Father. Father, again, I'm sure there are multiple people in this room that come in here struggling with anxiety and some fears, Father, and there might even be one or two people that don't even know who you are, Lord. Would this be the day? Would this be the day, Lord, that they learn about you and they, they do a 180 to you, Father. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love, your care, your compassion, your goodness, and your mercy. And Father, we just thank you. In your holy, precious name, amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.